All aboard. We've got a Hollywood wedding on a gorgeous yacht. And baby, you're on the guest list as we go through episode 14 of Lupin Third Part 1. Also in attendance today are Countess Islatan, I mean Natalie, yep. Pirate Kitty, Drew, Hey, The Emerald Secret, Emma, Hi. and I'm Chris, Lord of the Dance. <laughs> With us today is a real dandy, returning guest Lauren. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, boy, the gang is all here, and welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey-faced thief his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all the animated and live-action entries of the Loop on the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. And before we get to another fancy episode of Loop on the Third, episode one, which I've just said again, um, <laughs> episode 14, we are you joined part, by... Part one, right? Part one, episode one, part one, episode 14. Look, man, I'm tired. <laughs> part 14, episode one, I gotcha. I'm still editing the review of the episode that will come out before this. I'm all over the place, so forgive I mean, me. That, that one is about time travel, so. <laughs> oh, wish I could go back in time and uh, have a better schedule. But before we jump into today's discussion, as Chris mentioned, we are joined by returning guest Lauren. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm doing really well uh, and really busy. Uh, this is at the end of a work day as what we're recording. As everybody, we all are busy with our lives. But uh, uh, yes, I was just talking with you guys going, when was the last time I was on here? Was it before I got my current job? It must have been. Uh, <laughs> time, time, time doesn't matter when you're in production. So yeah, spoiler alert, people who are tuning in. Since probably the last time I was on here, uh, I work at DreamWorks now as a production coordinator uh, yeah. in, in feature oh. animation. So. <laughs> and I can say what I'm working on because I have the okay to say so. It's Kung Fu Panda 4. So. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hell yeah! I, I'm a huge Kung Fu, Kung Fu Panda fan. I, I love Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to believe I was 15 when the first movie came out. And so it was crazy to think like, just recently, the movie celebrated its 15th anniversary. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I think I was seven, six, 16 or 17, maybe 18 when the first one came out. And this was I around was the time I was still doing martial arts. So my whole martial arts school, we went to go see it just because. <laughs> it's been 84 years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that keeps you you're really busy, uh, especially when production is moving at a rate that you can't even fathom so all to get it done uh but yeah it's a blast <laughs> 
Today, we are talking about Lupin the Third, Part 1, Episode 14, The Emerald Secret, which originally aired on January 23rd, 1972. This is once again directed by uh, Uncredited, but we all know at this point, pretty much moving forward, this is entirely Miyazaki and Takahata at the helm. I think there's one more episode coming from that has a tiny bit of Osumi in it, but no one really quite knows how much is in there, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, this episode was, once again, written by Kiyoshi Miyata, who, uh, as we previously, discuss- previously discussed, wrote episodes of Ashja Nojo, Kabutsukun, The Ultraman, Umi no Triton, previously wrote episodes 3, 8, and 13 of Part 1, and also the upcoming episode 22. This episode was storyboarded by Minoru Okazaki. They served as an episode director and storyboarder for Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, and was the series director for the former was the director and also episode director for Dr. Slump, an episode director for 1963's Astro Boy, Shin Kyojin no Hoshi, 1985's Gigage no Kitaro, and he did storyboards for 1979's Doraemon, Tensai Bakuban, and hey, look at that, the ill-fated Moomin series that was initially helmed by Masaki Osumi before he was let go from that series also. Also, I would be uh, remiss to not mention that Okazaki directed the infamous Dracula Sovereign of the Damned and was the animation director for the U.S. Mega Man series. And uh, this is Okazaki's only Lupin credit. So now we'll jump into the guest cast because we have a real fun one here. So the Japanese voice actor for Catherine is uh, Eiko Masuyama. And Eiko Masuyama, you may or may not be aware, voiced uh, Honey Kisaragi at Cutie Honey in the original Cutie Honey series. She was a Midori Hayakawa in Attack Number 1, Perko and Sumire Hoshino in Perman Number 3, and various shows and films in the Perman series. She was Mama in Tensai Bakuban, uh, Princess Snow Kaguya in Sailor Moon S the Movie, and uh, Joan Randall in Captain Future. Another role that she had for a good number of decades was the role of uh, Fujiko Mine in every entry except for the Fuma Conspiracy and this series. She voiced the character from 1977 to 2010, with her final appearance being in the 2013 OVA Lupin Family All-Stars. Another cute little detail is that she voiced in Cat's Eye a character named Henriette Lubel, a.k.a. Lupin's Bride which is a really, really cute bit of casting there. Her English voice actor is not officially credited, so we're just going to go off of the infamous Lupin wiki. So <laughs> not 100% sure if this is the actress, but we're going to just go by that. And if we're incorrect, please correct us. I am always willing to be corrected because I'm usually always very dumb and very wrong. Uh, but Lauren Landa voiced Michiru Kayo at Sailor Neptune in Sailor Moon S, the Viz dub, and a number of Sailor Moon films. She's Annie Lionheart in Attack on Titan, Ellen and Juno in Beastars, Kyoko Sakura in Puella Magi Madoka Magica, and Merlin in The Seven Deadly Sins. Her other Lupin roles include Caramel and the young Rosetta in The Legend of the Gold of Babylon. So, some pretty cool uh, recent dub credits there. Uh, The character of Raymond, the memorable husband, who's in like two minutes of this episode, (laughs) was voiced in Japan by Keaton Yamada, who was Alex Kazern in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Albert Heinrich 004 in the 1979 Cyborg 009 series. He was Tochiro Oyama in Space Pirate Captain Harlock. 
uh, Hayato Jin in Getarobo and Getarobo 3. And please uh, forgive me if I butcher the French here, but I won't. Let me see. I'm going to say his first name. He was Alain in The Rose of Versailles because I didn't prep myself for saying his last name. And I don't want to sound dumber than I already am. You didn't ask me? Or, or me? I mean, I know French too. <laughs> I've been busy. <laughs> hey, I bet I could have butchered it better than you could. Also, I thought he sounded familiar. Yes. <laughs> Totiro. Yeah. He appears very briefly, but you're like, wait a minute. And again, for both Masuyama and Keaton Yamada, this is just a small selection from two incredibly uh, prolific careers. And also for Lauren Landa also. And uh, apparently, unfortunately, there is no English voice actor credited for Raymond. So if anyone does happen to have a good year and know, please let me know and correct me once again. <laughs> they were like, no, this guy's only here for like two minutes. So it's done <laughs> Whoever voiced him in English, I love the inflection they added of being just such a whiny little twerp. <laughs> it was a lovely little touch. I actually thought it was Tony first. I, I kind of did too. Same. <laughs> it could be. I wouldn't put it past the especially for the English dub cast. I would not put it past them to, you know, they're so versatile that they would cover multiple roles and just be vocal chameleons. Oh, yeah. My, one of my favorite little details before I get to the summary is that when the episode opens, there's like these two like high society ladies mm-hmm. like gossiping about the jewel. They're both Ellen Stern. Stern yeah. <laughs> just having a conversation with herself, which is. I love that. Wonderful. I so hard. <laughs> just literally when I listen to it, I'm like, yep, that's Ellen Stern because she used her more her more natural voice. And then the other lady speaks. I'm like, is that Ellen Stern again? Yeah, that's her. <laughs> Conversations with myself. I know that happened in an episode of part four where Ellen, it was basically Ellen talking to herself between these two girls that are walking down the street. <laughs> and it's, I'm like, Hey Ellen, how's it going, Ellen? I'm fine. Ellen. How about you, Ellen? I hope as I keep dubbing these, that keeps happening. She so just do a big <laughs> compilation of Ellen Stern converses with herself and loop on the third. I'm emphasizing how, yeah, it's like, we're here to emphasize. We love that detail. Oh yes. Yeah. Doing Please it. continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way you were just saying, how, hi, Ellen, hi, hi, Ellen, Lauren. I was just thinking, because I saw Barbie recently. It's like, hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. <laughs> hi, Barbie. <laughs> uh, I thought Flight of the Concords, like, And I thought in my workplace where, for, at one point, there were four other guys in the store also named Chris. Oh, my God. <laughs> we have had that very <laughs> conversation. <laughs> hey, Chris, how you doing, Chris? Not bad, Chris, yourself? Pretty good. How about you, Chris? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the person who wasn't named Chris in that conversation just walked off in frustration. It was great. Well, there was only three Chris's of you. Did you do the Spider-Man meme? Just yeah. No, this was a bit before that. Ah, damn. And there were like five of us. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. That's that bit in the new Spider-Verse film. Like catch Spider-Man. You, you, you. Damn it, Miguel O'Hara. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we jump into our discussion, I will read the brief synopsis. The seafaring Cupid is a two billion yen yacht built especially for the wedding of elite socialite Catherine Martin, the Queen of Hollywood. Lupin and Fujiko secretly board the ship chasing the the legendary Eye of the Nile, a famous emerald owned by Catherine. But it seems Catherine may have lured Lupin and Fujiko there for her entertainment. Can the duo find the Eye's true hiding place?
All right, so we will do our usual roundtable discussion of the episode, starting with our special guest, Lauren. How did you feel about the Emerald Secret? I personally think it's really, it's such a fun episode, uh, such a great setting to utilize too, especially because it, it's, especially when you brought up that that was an instance of, of Aiko voicing a character before she really became the official voice for Fujiko, mm-hmm. uh, is how much you get that air of Fujiko <laughs> from, from the uh, from the Queen of Hollywood. And um, yeah, you go like, okay, yeah, I see it, I see it, I see it. And um, but yeah, no, I especially, I think it's a great example too of not just showing, okay, yeah, sorry, I'm going to go on my Zenigata tangent. Uh, excuse mm. me. I think it's a great <laughs> episode that shows, it's, it's a good balance of him being serious but also him being playful or at least being uh, permitting himself to be playful in that moment. Mm. Um, but it shows how capable he is and how he's not going to like, I mean, he's so on the money and so on top of things. It, it shows that again, like Lupin knows nothing gets past this guy. Like he's trying to hide in a cake and <laughs> next thing you know, he's stabbing the cake. Like <laughs> he could have just very easily, he could have shish kebobbed uh, Lupin in there. But um I don't know. It was just, it's just a, a really fun, it's a really fun episode, really fun setting. And um, I don't know, between both, both dub casts of the Japanese and the English, it seems like they, they both seem to have a lot of fun with it. So mm. um, yeah. And I think it's a, also a really good uh, Fujiko episode. I don't know. <laughs> just, uh, I, again, it shows how versatile she is. So um just that early, some of the, the early indicators of her being like, again, she is, she is Lupine, but she is Fujiko. You know what I mean? So she is an equivalent mm-hmm. thief and is smart and is trying to be, even though Lupine is always like five steps ahead, even of her, it shows she's also thinking, Hey, I can do this. I can do this. And, and yeah, it's, it's no, it's just a lot of fun. I don't want to take anybody's time with that, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's what we're all all about here. Ramble on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Chris, the Emerald Secret. What do you know about it? What's the secret? Tell me now, please. Well, um, I guess the secret is the fact that Catherine has two last names, depending on what source you're looking at. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, apparently the, uh, yeah, in the English-Italian synopsis of the episode, her name is Catherine Burgess. Huh. Yeah, this is according to the wiki, but... See, before I get into my notes here, I'm also going to point out a few other interesting uh, trivia bits. At one point, we see uh, Zenigata looking at the uh, uh, boarding list. And, uh, <laughs> all right, so on the guest list are the Japanese actors Koji Saruta, Ken Takakura, Sumiko Fuji, Shima uh, Iwashina, and Ruriko Asoka, as well as the J pop singer Saori Minami, soccer player. Uh, Tado Horty, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, and the maestro himself, Monkey Punch. <laughs> also on the list is Michio Yamada, who is likely a reference to the character from the 1970 movie Live Today, Die Tomorrow. Oh, okay. And Inspector Zenigata is also on the list, albeit under his ancestor's name, Heiji Zenigata. But yeah, I feel like I mentioned this in previous episodes, but I feel like once Miyazaki and Takahata took over, there seems to be a bit more of an international focus to the series. Like the gangs all here playing card operation featured a French MacGuffin hunt down a counterfeiter partly takes place in Europe. 
I think we saw American Currency in the Seventh Bridge Falls. Mm. This one revolves around an American celebrity with Lupin impersonating European nobility and Fujiko's alias being the non-Japanese-sounding Margaret. So, you know, this franchise's international focus happened a lot earlier than we probably thought it did. Um, I really like Catherine. Mm. I mentioned my notes here. Catherine is very pretty, but she's also incredibly sharp. You know, she's kind of stringing Lupin and Fujiko along the whole time. You know, she's always very cool and collected up to the very end. I also mentioned that Fujiko's disguise as Margaret is cute, but that hair is an ill omen for what's to come. <laughs> because, yeah, you know, she keeps that hairstyle for the for the last part of the series, and I, I don't like it as much. Also, props to the animators for not pu- pulling the chef hat over Jigen's eyes. Yeah, man, man needs to be able to see, and there's no room with that kind of hat. So, at, at least, at least we now know for this episode there was no budget cuts. Right. <laughs> In Japanese, this episode is significant because I think it's the first time Lupin ever refers to Zenigata as Totsan. Oh, okay. The bit with the knife and the cake, I think, is a really funny monkey punch s gag. I can totally see that happening in the manga. <laughs> hmm. There's Pops, poor old guy, working hard, or at least looking like he is. <laughs> I like that line from the dub. <laughs> um, I like Zenigata saying that he never forgets a face, unable to recognize that Fujiko is right there. <laughs> and uh, Lupin's disguise, Count Meeple, is spelled as N-I-P-U-L, which is Lupin spelled backwards. It took me almost a decade to realize this, because the bootleg DVD I owned as a teenager spelled it N-I-P-P-L-E. So, I, was, I was waiting for that, because I'm going, hold up. Wait a minute. Yeah, so, so was I. Yeah, so like ever since I was a, a freshman in high school, when I got this bootleg DVD, I thought that's what Lupin was calling himself. I think it was, I want to say it was on purpose. I mean, not, not for just that case. I'm talking about... Right. Not, not just the fact that his name is in reverse. If right. you look at it, it look at what it says. <laughs> <laughs> he would do that. Yeah, he, <laughs> which which is why I didn't question it much watching it back then. <laughs> it wasn't until I saw the uh, the discotheque subtitles I realized, uh, okay, I get it. <laughs> I mean, what special was it? Napoleon's Dictionary, and they did. Um, oh, the treasure is hidden on Nepal Island or Nepal Mountain. Yes. Um, and then I was—I just remember when I because I watched that with Katie. Um, I kind of did the whole giggle of "haha, nipple." But then you go to the said place, and there's like a mountain top. I'm like, oh, I get it, nipple. And then she had to, <laughs> she had to make, she had to correct me and be like, "You're a dumbass. Nipple is it's Lupin backwards." I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> dumbass that literally didn't realize it until I saw like Drew's name like on this chat and I was like (laughs) (laughs) did I sit here like porque no los dos (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm like sitting here looking at the screen and I'm like Oh my god! <laughs> Wait a second. What a what a detective I am. <laughs> well, you know, I I think it's the breast thing I've heard all day. Anyway, um, <laughs> I also mentioned here that uh, Fujiko and Zenigata's interactions are super cute. I think, and uh, I really like the animation and the whole dance scene. And <laughs> speaking of weird associations from my past, I remember on a forum back a thousand years ago, it was either. Thieves Paradise or the Lupin Encyclopedia forms. Someone referred to this sequence as Zenigata's Dance Dance Revolution. 
which I don't know why, but that just struck me as hilarious as a teenager. And I, and, and I cannot think of that without watching this episode, or I can't watch this episode without thinking of that. Oh, okay, Chris. But it's, oh, yeah, sorry, you go. No, I'm just saying because I was on those forums years ago, and that was me. Sure. That was literally me that said, oh, it's Zenigata's Dance Dance Revolution. Because at the time I was playing DDR and heavily. And then I saw that episode. I'm like, oh, Zenigata's literally playing DDR in this game. I love this well, I mean, I mean, considering how skilled he was, it's more like a Dance Dance violation. <laughs> but. <laughs> but no, I literally, I literally headcanoned him to be that he would actually be really good at dancing games. Mm-hmm. Like he, because he would be so fast. First of all, he's agile. He can move oh, yeah. his feet really fast. Yeah, he's very he is on his feet, yeah. And, and two, it's a skill I envy to have because as much as I can follow patterns, my feet will not follow that. <laughs> it's a very meticulous like, pattern game. My mm-hmm. ex-husband was like ranked like in the top two in the state of Michigan, and I watched him do it. I was like, Jesus, God, how... <laughs> how the... Yeah, no, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was good at it. Someone just needs to um, superimpose um, Zenigata on the Family Guy clip of Bill Clinton playing DDR. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just do it for me. <laughs> just track his head over it, over his body, singing Barbie Girl. <laughs> Get Doug Airholtz to do that. I'm like, uh, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Come speed down. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> See, I also wrote down here that Catherine dancing with Zenigata is also adorable, as are Lupin and Fujiko dancing out of the room. They didn't have to do that, but it's a nice touch. Um, I like the montage of Count Nipple looking for the eye all over the yacht. There's some really great shots in that. I also wrote, if you ever needed, and then didn't write the rest of that sentence, so I don't know what the hell I was trying to say there. <laughs> it's just a bullet point. If you ever needed... Okay. <laughs> It's. It, um, I think you 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 hit a system reboot in the middle of a thought, yeah. and <laughs> like, shoot. <laughs> God be that exe has crashed. Oh. <laughs> Luckily, I managed to save my work before it before it happened. Um, Saving reminder. <laughs> uh, I like Zenigata's goofy grin as he approaches Lupin near the end. <laughs> um, just had so, like, this big shit eating goofy grin on his face as he's walking <laughs> towards him. The emerald being in Belle's eye socket and Lupin giving the cat an eye patch after stealing it feels very monkey punch to me. Mm. And I just remember what I was trying to say. If you ever needed more evidence that Fujiko's a dog person, in the dub, Lupin flat out says that Fujiko doesn't like cats. Hey. That's what I was trying to say. Aw. Just resolved. Oh, well. That is the emerald secret. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell Chris was trying to say? (laughs) That's her toxic trait. Everyone else is like, Fujiko's this, Fujiko's that, and like forgetting the fact that she just doesn't like cats. Right. That's her worst trait. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've always really liked this episode. And I think part of it might be the, fa- the fact it feels so much like it, it could be an early part two episode, just the way mm-hmm. you know it's it's structured and the character dynamics. But yeah, you know, I think Catherine's a fun antagonist. There's some great bits of animation. It's, it's just a good time. Okay. Hell yeah. So speaking of rambling on and on, now that I'm done. <laughs> Natalie. Yes. How are you feeling about the Emerald Secret? I love this episode. 
Um, the, the, one of the biggest reasons why I love this episode is because it really reminds me of the first chapter ever of the, uh, the extraordinary adventures of S and Lupin without the, without the ending essentially, because in the first chapter of the extraordinary adventures of Arsene Lupin called the arrest of Arsene Lupin, um, it's on a ship where, um, Arsene Lupin disguises himself as a, um, as a Mr. D'Andresi where, Albert's last name comes from, um, you know, some, um, he, the whole story sets off with him sending the letter that he's going to steal this jewel on the ship. And it, and it, it's, it falls up to inspector Ganimar to find Lupin, even though he is clearly not on the ship, he could be under the disguise of somebody. Then in the end it's revealed, Oh, it's, he's Mr. Andresi because the real Mr. Andresi died many years ago. So when I first watched this episode after just having read the original Arsene Lupin stories, I was very much like, Oh, they're taking cues from the arrest of Arsene Lupin, except this time Lupin disguises himself as a, as a count of a mysterious, um, um, European country. Um, but also I just remember also when I watched this as a kid, um, that I could recognize Ieko Masayama as Margaret. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought Ieko Masayama was always Fujiko. And then I had to kind of like re-listen re to it. I'm like, oh, so she wasn't Fujiko for part one. So it was very much a uh, Fujiko versus Fujiko kind of thing for me ever since, even though it's not the, you know, part one Fujiko is not what I consider the OG uh, Fujiko. Um, I do love the Jigen and Goemon chef designs because they just look so adorable. And and it's funny, it's for them because they're, I feel like they're the more gourmand days of the group. Like, because I'm always seeing them cooking as opposed to Lupin. And let's face it, um, probably Jigen and Goemon are, the, are really, really are the better cooks in the whole group. Um, Lupin hiding in the fucking cake like a stripper also made me laugh as a teenager. God damn it, Natalie. I have that written as a note. <laughs> you also have it as your name. Yeah, I have stripper cake Lupin as my name. But uh, no, legit. It's on my note because that's one of the memorable things I put on there. Lupin hiding in the cake like a fucking stripper. You know, you know stripper cake Lupin would not be a bad band name. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be a great one, but it wouldn't be a bad one. <laughs> Emma's doing the pose, and I could just imagine just Lupin doing that same pose, like surprise. <laughs> um, the sharp impression um, um, line in in the dub. Also, um, the cat Bell looks very much like Emmanuel Poirot's cat in Part Two, um, which. Ah. Like just 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 watch those episodes next time together, and then be like, "Is that not the same fucking cat?" Only in the Emmanuel Perot episode, the cat has sharp, poisonous nails. In this episode, the cat is the sorry, the cat has the um, emerald in its eyeball, which I saw a mile away when I first watched the episode. Especially that little gleam in the eye, I was like, "Ah." Oh. That's where the real emerald is. And also, I'll, I wrote this because I knew Lauren was going to come in, but the bashful Zenigata moments. Um, I do love, <laughs> I do love cute, I do love cute and bashful Zenigata, but also the dancing of like the Count and, um, well, the cuteness of Fujiko and Zenigata dancing, or even um, Lupin and Margaret dancing. Though with the animation, um, it really reminded me so much of Haunted Mansion and the and the ballroom the ballroom area of the ghost just twirling side by side. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and Oh yeah. Of course, count nipple, which um, 
it's such a classic cliche in all of literature to just put your name backwards. I mean, this is where we get the many iterations of Alucard thanks to with Dracula or, um, you know, Oh God, what was that other one where, or even like, it kind of also reminded me of Carmen San Diego as a teenager. Cause in one of the Carmen San Diego games, Carmen San Diego does a, um, what's, what's the word um, where you mix the letters up in a, in, in a name. Anagram. Um, yeah. In, in one of the Carmen San Diego games, Carmen San Diego does an, um, anagram of her name instead of carmen san diego it's diane goss from irma and c but when you think about it there's no such thing as a town called irma in north carolina <laughs> so th- that's what it really reminded me of i'm like oh pulling a tom riddle there <laughs> but yeah th- that's basically all i had on it because i don't want to continue rambling but uh, this is probably one of my favorite miyazaki episodes of part one especially the animation of the dr- of the dancing sequences but also this episode is just a huge amount of fun and someone just getting the sly on you know on lupin and fujiko it definitely was the inspiration for the reboot of my current fan fiction um i couldn't help it when i was redoing it i'm like oh i could totally pull a um episode episode 14 from lupin the third part one and that's eventually what i did so there nice I'll leave it for Emma to continue now. And I'm sorry I took the stripper cake. <laughs> <laughs> Write that on a card. Sorry I took the stripper sorry cake. I took stripper cake. <laughs> <laughs> on a cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry for taking the stripper cake, Emma. <laughs> Have your cake. Drew, are you going to ask say how I feel about it or what? How do you feel about it? I don't know. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Uh, don't put me on the spot. Ah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I like this one. I had fun with it. I, I think, like, uh, to be, if I'm being completely honest, I wasn't in like a hundred percent focused on the episode this time. And some other things coming up right now <laughs> that I'm looking forward to that I discovered dropped on Amazon Prime like right before I watched the episode. So I was a little distracted. <laughs> Editor's note, Good Omen Season 2 now available on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a little Ineffable distracted. Um, yeah, like I think too, I was still like I really much enjoyed the last episode that I think I was like kind of like even still thinking about that. Not to say I didn't like this episode. I just don't know because even my notes are shorter too. I just didn't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, though <laughs> I, I I didn't look up any of the casting choices. Like what uh I, I just kind of like assume who is who, especially like with Raymond. I was like, hmm, wonder if that is Tony in the dub. It sounds but, a lot like, like him. Right? <laughs> I was like, hmm. Um, but I like thought for a second too when I was hearing, uh, sit Charlotte, Catherine, Catherine, Cal- Catherine. Um, like in the sub that it was, uh, Ico. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, that sounds really familiar. But again, same with the uh, Lupin spelled backwards. Did I pick up on that? No. (laughs) 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 This is why I have to watch things repeatedly. This is how Clark Kent gets away with being Clark Kent. (laughs) Literally. literally. (laughs) This is when you realize. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, how could they be that stupid? I'm like, well, you know, that's not a hill you want to die on unless you're absolutely sure. <laughs> See, what, what did they pronounce it like, Napule? Would that have helped? Maybe? Oh, no. <laughs> I, just, like, I had the dub, like the subtitles on, and I was just like, <laughs> Odd choice. Just a, just a microwave sound. <laughs> Dial up. <laughs> so that uh, we're just finding out how stupid I am. Really. Um, I like that Catherine. That's all right. <laughs> I like that Catherine's called the Queen of Hollywood, and that she's played by. Uh, Iko voice of Fujiko because I know uh, listening to an interview of Michelle Ruff that she based a lot of her performance on Marilyn Monroe, who is effectively a queen of Hollywood. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, interesting. Once I put that, I like actually wrote that uh, while uh, I think Lauren was talking. So I thought that was an interesting uh, point that probably has no relation whatsoever. But I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. You got Lupin in the cake like a stripper that pops out of it. I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen art of that before, like on Twitter too. Uh, in like the last five years, it's like disappeared uh, into nothingness. Zenny got us stabbing the cake with glee. <laughs> yeah. And like Lauren said, probably like shish, could have shish kebabed him easily. And I have to wonder, like, I feel like he had it like a feeling because then he got it that Lupin was in there because <laughs> he also oh, yeah, he absolutely was like I had to wonder too because like when he passes Lupin in his count costume that he says like I smell something which brings up the idea, like, <laughs> Zenigata can smell Lupin, and that comes up, like, frequently throughout the series, <laughs> which is weird. But well, doesn't he say specifically, I think I smell cake? In the dub, he does. Yeah, I think okay. in the subtitle, yeah. it just says, I smell something. Smell something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there, there is canonically Lupin dust. So, <laughs> true. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but also... <laughs> But, but but is it a good time to bring up that there has been a study where couples like wear clothes for a couple of days, take oh. it off, put it in bags, mix it up with other people's clothes, and then they're able to find their loved ones, their loved ones' respective clothing just because of like scent recognition. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me with the relationship that Lupin and Zeta gotta have. Right. <laughs> That's like, the, you like, know. It makes sense, but also. <laughs> <laughs> Left, you're giving me an idea to do an edit of that bit where like Zinagata walks by and put like the like the sea nanners Morgan Freeman that I can smell you let's not forget that in Farewell Notre Dame he made a machine to do that for him yes, yes. this is also true I running that. theme unfortunately it's true yeah, yeah I hate that machine that sucks like, well, he's smarter than that Exactly. That movie did not do him justice at all. But yeah. I, I, I thank you for mentioning that thing, though. I like to during like the wedding, like when they're walking down the aisle and stuff, the two little girls in the blue dress. I was like, what in the shining is this? <laughs> I was like, oh. another edit idea. 
Come play with us, Lupa. <laughs> Forever and ever. See, I like Fujiko's short hair in this, but I know, like, in later iterations when she has short hair, it's, like, not, like, works as well. It's kind of the same thing with, like, her blonde hair for me. Like, there are iterations of it where I'm like, okay, that's kind of nice. And then, like, other ones where I'm like, hmm. <laughs> why? And mainly being, like, when they brought back the blonde for Twilight Gemini, I was like, why? A lot of why is involved with that yeah, TV special. Exactly. That's why <laughs> I'm like, it's Twilight Gemini. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. the one concern you have with it. We were all thinking it. I said it. <laughs> Twilight Gemini, more like Twilight Gemma. Why? <laughs> I liked her hair in this. I thought she was adorable. Um, also, like I know we mentioned before, cute Zenigata and Fujiko. Like, just adorable. Uh, I thought yes. that was like, so, and just animated so, like, joyfully. Uh, I just had, like, a big, stupid smile the entire time when I watched that. Um, especially, like, too, like, Zenigata's face turning beet red uh, when she mentions <laughs> that Catherine's, like, looking over at him. I was, like, also, just not only that, but other, like, Zenigata facial expressions. At one point, his eyes keep, like, rolling around. <laughs> okay. Um, they really... But I feel like this is, aside from one chance of a prison break, this is, like, one of the few, like, episodes that actually showcases Zenigata uh, so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and it does so in a way where he's not a royal asshole. And just, like, enjoyable to watch. Like, again, that blush is so cute. Uh, and I love watching it. I really think that's all I have. Uh, I think I preferred the dub over the sub on this one but i also have to wonder if that's because like my level of attention was already low uh so it's like a little easier for me to pay attention to the dub but i'm not Mm. entirely sure it's probably something i'll have to explore in the future but that's all i really have drew how do you feel about the emerald well it's time for me to ramble again no um so one thing, the first thing that stuck out to me, and it's the first thing I'll get out of the way. I've mentioned in previously how like there's been the director changeover because obviously Masaki Osumi was fired partly through production. A lot of the episodes were in various stages of completion, some like pretty much almost done that had like minor changes. And it has like this really cool effect. The last few episodes in particular where like there'll be uh, it'll be like a very Osumi episode, and then like a scene will be animated by Miyazaki and like his a production team here in Takahata, and it has like that weird kind of like bouncy, super expressive cartooniness. So there, there's like a smooth transition, and while there is like a like a gradual, this one is like this is the first Miyazaki Takahata episode. Boy, does it like show immediately because like the episodes with Osumi. When I think about Osumi, I think about the really like the in your face Dutch tilt shots of those lovingly rendered race cars in the first episode. I think of uh, that big shot, like the Mercedes, like the perspective shot of the grill from uh, what was it? Is it uh, one wolf calls another when he's chasing after Poon and Fujiko. I think of like the dreamlike sequences stuff like Fujiko and Poon on the cliff side with those green, like painterly wavy clouds behind them. Like crazy perspective shots of Lupin on the tanker truck in the first episode with Goemon, Zenigata backlit by the spotlight in one chance for a prison break, and like Lupin in that kind of sickly yellow. 
forgive me, I'm getting all over the place here, but like I always think of like these really cinematic dynamic shot compositions with Osumi. But immediately once you get to the Miyazaki Takahata episodes, there's a shift, but it's where like the character designs and like everything is more like, forgive me. I'm not, I have no experience in animation. So they're more like simply drawn so that it's easier to animate them more expressively in this one. Cause like there's a, there's so many moving parts in this episode, like little things here and there. And that becomes like the entire ethos moving forward in part one. Cause I think about obviously Zinigata and Catherine, da- well, Fujiko and Catherine dancing and bits where he like flips Catherine over and does like the little kissy face. If you, I put the episode on in like 0.25 speed and there's so many wonderful little still shots that captures so much goofy shit. It's so wonderful. And I think of like Zinigata in the next episode, tumbling down the airplane cabin and like struggling <laughs> to climb back up. Uh, going on unleashing havoc on the beauty contest with like a bunch of policemen tripping over him, him jumping on one's face and the face squishing. And then like when his foot comes off, it's like a little print left. There's this changeover where it's like those dynamic moody atmospheric shots but the exchange is for like really expressive character animation i think that's kind of like really why i like part one it might be my favorite i haven't decided yet until we we finish this podcast in uh four decades when i've seen it all (laughs) um but like i don't know it really encapsulates like everything i love about it every reason why i fell in love with it is here from the beginning like you've got kind of like the darker, moodier stuff, like all kind of like seedy crime stuff. But then you've got just the goofy shenanigans of the second half. And this episode like really kind of shows that era coming in. That's like a big thing I noticed, which I just really enjoyed about it. Um, another thing I really uh, picked up on is like, I believe in the, it was on the Japanese Wikipedia. It's a cited source, but forgive me if it's roughly translated, but apparently Takahata did not like having like hardened criminals as the leads. So you really get the character change here where like Lupin is less of like the callous, cold criminal. And now he's just like a goofball just trying to get a like a jewel and a cake and uh, doing all the goofy disguises, just picking on Zinagata every chance he gets. I think that's where like this really solidifies kind of that character trait. And also, once again, we've got another rich person who thinks they can challenge or toy with Lupin and who does for a bit, but eventually realizes that's a very, very unfortunate mistake to make when you're a rich person in a Miyazaki directed Lupin thing. (laughs) Um, And also, like I I brought up the directorial flourishes of Osumi. That's not to diminish the directing of Miyazaki and Takahata. There's a cool shot in this. When Lupin's inside the cake and he's watching like Catherine, like where she's going with the jewel. And as he looks in through like each one of the little like fake little jewelry embellishments on the cake, the light that shines in changes the color of the scene, which is such a cool, like neat little touch that like you don't have to add that detail. But the fact that they did, it's just such a cool little thing to pick up on. Um Let's talk about Zinigata in this episode because it's, it's, he's he's the man of the hour here. I I love because in the manga in particularly and kind of in like the Osumi episode, Zinigata was like kind of and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but like he's always like kind of had that 
what was Sam looking for here? He's like that representation of the man. Yeah. Uh, like he's that authority figure. Right. Yeah. Monkey Punch said he's supposed to represent, uh, you know, authority and the law and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Especially in, in something like one chance for a prison break, prison break. Like, like he's conflicted about Lupin, but he's also like a hard ass in that. He's a prick in it for the first part of it. And here you I'm get like job here, but one chance for a prison bake. That is the, uh, the prequel episode to uh, this one. As yeah. the, you know, the chefs and the bakers like making the cake he hides in. We need to make that happen. But here you get like Miyazaki's Zenigata, which I love Miyazaki's Zenigata. Who's just like the hardworking, the uh, he's like the dogged, just just a cop doing his job. He just wants to catch Lupine. And at every turn, there's some rich dumbass who's just not listening to him, not taking this shit seriously. He knows he's on to Lupine, but everyone's like, ah, don't worry about it. And then like when Zenigata's like, but you're not, you don't understand. Like stop. And he's like, okay, fine. That's my job. I, 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 I love his Lupine because I always think it's specifically of Cagliostro, like him, in that uh, the meeting with all the nations, the poor man's just trying to like make a point and everyone just starts bickering. There's that slow pushing on him. Just like, <sighs> um, I love when he warns the crowd of Lupin, there's a close up of his face and his eyes both dart back and forth. But there is one moment when his eyes start darting in separate directions, <laughs> which like, honestly, as someone who's also been run down by work a bit recently, I felt that one little bit like that, 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 that one more of animation spoke to me profoundly. <laughs> OMG, same. <laughs> So he goes into chameleon mode and not in the way of disguising. It's the way his eyes go in all directions because <laughs> yep. And then as Emma mentioned again later when Catherine like dismisses him, his eyes just start rolling around just kind of <laughs> rapidly. Like my, my, my man, he's done. And th- 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 this is my favorite type of Zenigata, the one where he is competent. He's, he, he's, he's cool. He knows what he's doing. But my man just runs into just some of the worst luck and or dumb people who don't listen or Lupin just relentlessly picking on him. He has like this underdog quality. And and so does Lupin and Miyazaki. Like Miyazaki's Lupin and Zinagata have like this underdog quality to him, which I I really like that about his take on the characters. I think, with, yeah, Zinagata, I mean, as much as Lupin and Zinagata are equals on this different sides of the same coin, it's the it's I think Zenigata is the real everyman of the entire mm. group. Like mm-hmm. he's the one that is run ragged because if you think about it, it's kind of like where everybody wants to be Ferris Bueller, but they're all Cam and Fry. Uh, it's like it's that whereas <laughs> we all know who the real one with the real struggles is. And then there's the idealized of here's the as much as things can go wrong with this person, he always gets away with stuff. Zenigata is the one that's left to clean up the mess or mm-hmm. the mess he makes himself on his way to get rid of the other mess <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bowl in a China shop. Um, but, uh, but it's, yeah, especially when, you know, at the core, even if he can have his asshole moments, absolutely. I mean, he's not a perfect character in, in terms of there is none. No, they're all, they're all screwed up. Uh, <laughs> but in the way that he approaches things is that he, is I think he is truly a fighter for more true justice 
And I, that's why he has more of the going rogue vigilante urges because he knows that like, fine, if you guys won't listen to me, I'm going to do this myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't blame him. If you spent years, you know, run ragged by this, wouldn't you want to be like, fine, I got to do it myself because nobody's listening to me. Um, <laughs> He's very much yeah. the effective manager that all employ all employment places need. <laughs> <laughs> and he, it's like he and he is an effective guy. Like it, it, mm-hmm. he is really good at his job. Again, the one thing that seems to evade him is Lupin. And every mm-hmm. and that's why I love the 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 live action series, uh, a fantastic dive into his character and showing how freaking good he is when he's mm-hmm. like, like you better your legs better be quaking if you're a criminal caught in his crosshairs because <laughs> if you're not Lupin who thinks he can dance his way out of this, think he can run circles around him, uh. Yeah, no, you stand no chance against him. He is that good. So, um, no, I love any time you have. But I, again, at the same time, I love the humanizing moments. He's still, mm-hmm. a, a, he's still a man at the end of the day who gets yeah. tired, who really deserves a drink, a vacation, a real vacation, not taking time off <laughs> to, to like, you know, taking his vacation time to go you know, like pull apart five and go to some kingdom on his off time that he's, I'm on vacation. No, he needs an actual vacation. Uh, But he probably would never permit himself that, which, okay, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, would he ever ever let himself take a vacation? I have a coworker that's like that. This woman has like, I believe three months of vacation accrued and I keep telling her, girl, get the fuck out of here for like 10 minutes. And she said, no. (laughs) I'm like, oh, it's an Agata. <laughs> I took, I've taken vacation time before and I was still doing stuff on my vacation time. There was no such thing as rest. I'm like, going, that's just how I am. I'm like, and you wonder why I, bond, and why I find so much of myself. It's like, he's just like me for real. And, um, and- <laughs> he's just like me for real. <laughs> and the, bring in the Barbie princess movie. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. You're just like me. You're just like me. <laughs> Also, Lauren, I'm glad you brought up the live action series because brief tangent that is now on Amazon Prime with a J Edge mm-hmm. subscription. You can watch it. And I like it. I, I just revisited on YouTube the soundtrack of it. They use the Yuji Ono theme for the opening credits. But Zenigata has a theme in that show, which the only way I can describe it. And I'm going to insert it here is it sounds like if you are someone that Zenigata is chasing after because it has just this mood of like, oh, fuck shit he's coming and you're not gonna stop him <laughs> it's hard to describe there's a harmonica in it too it fucking rules Dude, awesome. <laughs> it's so cool you will, it's like you if yeah again yeah if you're a criminal you will be scared of the harmonica <laughs> i can kind of imagine what it sounds like i just think like outlaw country <laughs> i'm gonna send you the link when we get that recording think like waylon jenny and something <laughs> so like, since we're I'm sorry to keep cutting off here, but oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, since we're talking about Zenigata, I think it's interesting to uh, you know compare how he's portrayed here to how he is in the original manga, where he just seems like you know, like you guys were saying, like you know, he does need a break, but like especially in the original, you know, 1967 manga series, you know, he just has like this general vibe that he is just completely done with everything. It's like it's like he is just like one, you know misstep away from just completely like shutting down <laughs> like it was like this man should be in the dictionary next to the word exhaustion burnout. It's just, 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. can I can I just quickly add? Um, I was mentioning this to you guys earlier, but last week I saw the touring production of Les Misérables, the musical, with my mom and my best friend. And um, I remember when I first um, read and well, not read when I first listened to the original Broadway production, and then saw my high school do it do a production of it for some reason my lupon minded ass compared javert and jean valjean to zenigata and lupon respectively but the big difference is that um javert as a policeman sees the world in black and white he doesn't see gray he truly believes that jean valjean because jean valjean is a convicted criminal that he can never change he can never be a good person despite you know the evidence to the contrary and when Jean Valjean shows him a moment of mercy where he sh- he could have killed him. And he was like, no, I'm not going to kill you. Your life is not mine to take. That just puts Javert into this quick, um, this, this quick epiphany and realization that the world is gray. The world is not black and white. And it ends with spoiler alert, but this story has been out for over a hundred years now. It ends with Javert um, jumping off a bridge into the Seine River, killing himself. And Cue the cartoony thought, crack sound from the movie. From the movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone did. Someone did. Did a did a cut clip of that to the Thomas the Tank Engine theme song, and I will never, <laughs> I will never get that out of my head. <laughs> hey, that piece of music goes with literally everything. So <laughs> it, goes, it goes with epiphany and suicide. Now, <laughs> trigger warning. Most trigger warning. But what I'm trying to say here is, um, you know. Um, I joke, I, I say in real life, a cab, but Zenigata, because Zenigata <laughs> is very much one of those criminals, one of those criminals, one of those cops that is not about taking someone else's life. He just wants to bring people to justice because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what it means to be a policeman. And yes, his Jean Valjean is Lupin. However, comma, he still sees that this man has some good in him, has his moments of like, oh, hey, he actually is a, a gentleman thief, but it doesn't matter. He still does bad things. He needs to he needs to be put away for a long time. And that just drives him. It's, it is the Tom and it is the Tom to Lupin's Jerry. But yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking too, because there have been times where Tom and Jerry have teamed up. Yes. There's several times where it's happened, just like there's been several times where, you know, Lupin and Pops have teamed up. Mm-hmm. Because like, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking like, maybe the other guy is more comparable to Wiley Coyote. Maybe. Yeah. Even though, uh, you know, Monkey Punch has stated that he was, directly inspired by Tom, but but yeah, I can't see Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner teaming up, you know, for any reason at all. So so yeah, I, I do think that you know the Maestro is right with it being more Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well I also think that there is still that lame connection because supposedly, and I could be wrong, um our son um, Maurice LeBlanc did state that to have a rival for Arsene Lupin. He needed a policeman, and he and the only thing he could think of was uh, Victor Hugo's book of Les Misérables with the Javert Jean Valjean um, relationship. And so I, I, you know, now because of Les Mis, to this day, I will always think I, I will always think of like Zenigata singing the best solo for any baritone. Stars, stars. <laughs> yeah, someone just do that for me. Someone just have Zenigata singing to stars, and I will, I will die a happy camper. <laughs> okay, any. Anyway, Doug, I'm gonna cut. 
Doug does have a great baritone voice, so he could do it. Ooh, I'm so happy you mentioned that because that directly ties to my next note about uh, Zinigata because I love Doug Erholtz in the dub of this so much. Specifically, I love him singing along to the music as he's dancing both times, which is such a cute little touch. Look, isn't that the inspector? What a superb dancer. Very agile. He really has all the moves. I love uh, when Fujiko starts toying with the two people she saw with Catherine. He like leans in front of him and goes, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and Also, when she like asks him to dance, his line reading of, Dance with me? You're joking, right? I don't dance. I'm too clumsy. Has some real Homer Simpson energy yes. going there. <laughs> I like in the sub, he says, like, I don't know Western-style dancing. And I was like... What kind of Western-style dancing are we talking about here? Just see Zeniglada. 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 Just see him in a country club in the in Wyoming dancing to Achy Breaky Heart. Sorry. I see this. I say this as a Latina who constantly hears the Spanish cover of that damn song, and it makes all the, all the Latinas in your family just dance, and then there's my dumbass like, fuck no. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get over Zinni Claus. <laughs> Legit, that is my villain origin story, that there is, a Sp- there is a Spanish cover of that damn song. That's my villain origin story. <laughs> Um, the last thing I've got from uh, Z- Zenigata here is another Doug Erholtz reading that bit when uh, he sees uh, Zenigata sees uh, Count Nipple in uh, Catherine's private room. He's like, you wouldn't understand our socialites open ways. And this is not remotely in the sub, but I appreciate the energy of the line. Open ways sounds like hanky panky. <laughs> 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 which that is a little bit of part two energy coming out right there. Because sure, yeah. uh, I, I love the part one dub is great because there's like, it's pretty faithful to the source material, but it peppered in there at the right time is a little bit of that, like part two energy. It's fantastic. And Doug Erholtz is MVP. Yeah. I think that's great too. Cause like when you were bringing up the, we start to really see the dynamic, the true, like, established dynamic of Lupin and Zenigata and the zaniness mm-hmm. that comes with it. Like, you know, some of the, the, the comedy that comes with Zenigata's pursuit, like the physical gags and everything. Like this was very much like this set the precedent for part two, like in terms mm-hmm. of uh, when they could go even goofier with the stuff then. But um, I think, yeah, that feeds right back in. It's going to like, starting to pepper in that part two energy mm-hmm. and for the dub to funnel that in as well. I really, I really enjoyed that. And uh, I mean, I'm going to have my, I mean, I love both. Obviously I'm going to have my bias, but because I'm like, <laughs> but I think that the, the, the part one dub was like really well done, especially at, you know, tying it back into kind of those part two roots. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, it's kind of interesting. I wonder because I haven't watched all the part one dub yet because I've been saving it for this podcast, watching it through. I'm curious. Oh, I, doubt, I, I like I don't know what happens, but the fact that there's a little part two energy sprinkled in there, like kind of makes it like it's a nice transition. If you watch the part one dub, like it starts kind of straightforward 
and you start getting little bits of like what's to come kind of sprinkled in there. It's nice. That's cool. I just thought of an epiphany. Wow. Cool. Just, just, just don't jump, just don't jump off the bridge into the Sen River and kill yourself, honey. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> <laughs> but Lauren, you, you say coming back to like this whole part two energy, I couldn't help but feel what this episode, at least the dubbing of this episode and the, the zany back and forth with Zenigata and Lupin almost akin to, even though he, he didn't realize it was Lupin at first to the dirigible episode of part two, which is one of my many favorite part two episodes <laughs> um, where it's this constant Zen, you know, even though it was Dan Lorger at the time, this constant like rolling, rolling, rolling of the motions of the comedy between um, Zenigata and the gang in, in disguise as these different detectives. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so it's just, you know, th- th- this episode just gave me, in terms of the dub, gave me those kind of vibes. And that's what I predominantly enjoyed about the dub. The episode itself, especially when I watched it when I was younger, I truly loved it. But the dub, I feel, makes it incredibly better. So there's my two cents on that. I think, Heck yeah. I think, uh, you know, the dub maybe why I feel like this feels like a part two episode. You know, because I don't think I ever felt that way watching it. So, but also, uh, one more, uh, one more uh, bit I forgot to mention is that I really like the gag when Lupin is trying to take the, uh, the emerald off of Catherine. Mm-hmm. With that uh, little uh, claw device, mm-hmm. and he drops it, and then he just shoves his hand through the wall to take the rabbit. Yes, <laughs> the claw. That's wow. It's just the fact that he just dispenses with all subtlety after he drops it. it just. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're out there at the party, and you just see a little, <laughs> little thing come out, and then. Bam! <laughs> well, Fuchiko noticed. Just, Fuchiko seemed to be the only one that actually noticed that that happened. <laughs> she, she, knows, she knew. She, I have a feeling she knew Lupin was going to pull shit like that. But honestly, if I was at that wedding reception and I saw a fucking hand come out of that cake, I don't eat cake in general because I have a terrible PTSD with uh, cake in the face. Goddamn Latino tradition. Anyways, um, if I saw a hand come out of that fucking cake, I would not be eating that cake. That is unsanitary. Ooh, nah. <laughs> what you find out the monkey's been in it <laughs> <laughs> that's why i think about the, the whole like the whole stripper cake idea that's going like happy birthday or whatever and you just go i wanted the cake though <laughs> i came here for this it's the only thing i was looking forward to i hate these people didn't they do that in the George Lopez episode when they were celebrating his mom's upcoming nuptials to Nick Offerman's character? I believe they did. I think they did, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm like, but it's just my flack. I'm like, well, yeah, I want the cake. Now I'm like, yeah. so touched. And it's like, I was <laughs> promised cake. Not stripper. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is it's this? Like sho- shoves him aside. Okay, get me the cake. <laughs> Not here for you. Another note I completely overlooked here. In the subversion of the episode, Catherine refers to this as her first wedding reception. So, yeah, yeah, she's definitely from Hollywood. But, uh, <laughs> but did she uh, say anything about that in the, in the dub? I don't remember hearing it. I don't recall, no. But I love that you bring that up because I, I just remember as a kid reading that subtitled and I was like, her first? Is she, like, going to murder this asshole and then go to another one or something? I don't think she's going to kill him, but you know how celebrity romance are. Maybe she just eloped. It could have been that. 
I love how we've not even, with the exception of the cast, I've only talked about like Raymond once because he's such a non-entity. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what we're talking about. <laughs> no, Raymond at that part, y'all hear something? <laughs> Everybody forgets Raymond. <laughs> I, you know, Drew was the one that came up with that joke. I can't take credit for it. <laughs> And then the last thing I mentioned is I fucking love the end of this episode. It's just like the bit when, when Catherine thinks she has the upper hand on him and Fujiko like sneaks downstairs at the lamp to, uh, to uh, pull the switch of the lights. And there's just Lupin doing the countdown. You see Zinigata approaching before he has that shooting and grin. I love the shot of him walking, like approaching from the distance. Cause it's kind of like that, like an animation when the character's far away, they're not drawn as super detailed, but mm-hmm. there is the fucking detail of just his coat flapping side to side with his walk, which is, again, it's such a cool detail that they just added. You don't have to do that shit. But if you do, it looks awesome. And I notice it. And I thank you. Animators <laughs> from 1971. Um, <laughs> but I love when he does the countdown. Lupin gets that big devious grin. Lupin's uh, Fujiko switches the lights off. And then after Lupin 68 kicks in, I'm like, well, this just entered the top five episodes of part one. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and also another big sign of Miyazaki Takahata, that little jet propelled hang glider that Fujiko and Lupin fly away. And I'm like, ah, there it is. A flying apparatus. <laughs> the first of many. An any Miyazaki Lupin thing. This is so freaking adorable. I love it. They're yeah. just flying away together on that apparatus. <laughs> and the cat has an eye patch. Good shit. <laughs> Good shit all around. I mean, you didn't expect them to leave the cat's empty eye socket uncovered. Yeah, of course. Not very gentlemanly of This just brings the question, which I don't want, really want to think about, but like, how the, f- how the fuck did this woman, the Queen of Hollywood, um, you know, put... I imagine it's, it was pretty easy to put the emerald in the eye socket, but it's like, what did she have to do to get that kitty's eye socket open? Please don't tell me she took that eyeball from that poor damn I mean, cat. There's a few options, or there's a few answers, or a few possibilities, I guess, but none of them are pleasant. Yeah, I mean, you like... Know, you know, whether she found a one-eyed cat, which I think is probably probably the easiest, or probably the... That's probably the easiest one to accept, I guess. Yeah. 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 I hope she found a one-eyed cat and was like, I'm gonna give you something to put in your eye socket. Here, <laughs> I'm gonna pull an... I'm gonna pull a freaking Amon I mean, Targaryen there, right? and pull a gem in it. <laughs> Sorry, House of the Dragon reference because one of the characters gets his gets his eye gouged out and puts a sapphire in its stead, and people think that's cool. <laughs> Putting the eye in sapphire. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think that about wraps up our coverage on <clears throat> the original Lupin the Third versus Cat's Eye. Um, Roundabout, I think we all like this one. Uh, for me, yeah. I think this... I'm going to save my ranking for the end, but this is high up there. I really, really like this one. I I, I specifically love like the character animation and all that, just the zaniness, the, the personalities that we really know are going to be settling in, like are starting to like appear. So I, I, I like this one. It's good. It's good. It's good. And so that about wraps it up for us. Um, we will do our social media plugs before we end for the night. So, uh, Lauren, where can we find you on the social media? Well, as long as it's not on fire or changing names, 
I don't care. I'm not going to call it whatever the frick Elon's calling it now. No. It's Twitter. So mm-hmm. at the Abbey Roadie, uh, that's who I am. And I have a link, a uh, link tree of some sort. I have a, a card. I think it's card it has all my other links there attached to that as well. So I have an Instagram that I'm trying to like, I'm rebooting on Instagram that I'm going to add more art specific stuff on there. Uh, and I also on blue sky. I know it's invite only still, but I'm on blue sky. <laughs> so if you're on there, uh, one of the lucky few find me on there under the same name. Yeah. Otherwise it's like, I, there's so many things I have going that I do not devote the proper time to them because I don't have time for them. Uh, but anyway, you can find me on Twitter for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. And uh, Natalie, where can we find you? Um, I guess I'm still on Twitter, but I've been not really so much active because I'm still taking my therapist's advice about social media. But you can find me on there so long as it's not burning, which it is. And yes, no, I, well, no, I'm not going to call it X. Mm-mm. I find it funny that it's that name is being banned in Thailand. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at Kathleen Helsing, I'm predominantly more on Instagram. Um, I'll be posting a lot of stories about my upcoming Europe trip, especially because a lot of what I'm doing in Europe will be tied into my new TikTok, which is which I haven't posted yet, but I'm going to. But Instagram, you can find me at Captain Lee Helsing, Captain spelled out. For my TikTok, you can find me at that same at, at Captain Lee Helsing. I'm going to start putting on videos because, like I said, next week I'm going to be in Switzerland and in uh, Italy. So I'm totally going to be posting content around that. And then pretty soon I'll be posting my own link tree, which will be a lot of um, upcoming video essays, but predominantly regular essays on a lot of historical research that I'm doing, predominantly now that I have a cool new awesome internship at Stanford University. So please be on the lookout for that. Nice. Oh, yeah. I've been through their archives. I think I died and went to archival heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. it. It makes sense because there's actually a mausoleum on the grounds. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Chris, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Newgrounds at Amazing Chris Godby. It's a G-O-D-B-E-Y. My personal Twitter, which I'm going to be there whether it's on fire or not. I'm the uh, This Is Fine Dog. Um, <laughs> my personal Twitter is uh, Dr. Furball, D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. My art Twitter is Amazing Chris G. My web comics can be found at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.com. I'm also the occasional contributor to Lupin Central. Yay. Nice. My Emma, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at EmmaWolf227, E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. You can find me on Instagram at E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227. I do have a blue sky. It's the exact same thing as Twitter. I have not devoted any time to setting it up beyond, like, the initial stuff. And I haven't even posted it on my actual Twitter yet. So, still learning that. I'm very old with this kind of stuff. It takes me forever to, like, actually start to use it. Just, I think it took me like two years to even like start using Twitter after Twitter started. And even then I was like vehemently against it. And now look at me. But those are the main ones that you can find me on. And what about you, Drew? Well, so you can find me on Twitter and I'm going to call it Twitter. 
Elon, you fuck. Um, every day. There is something funny about something Elon Musk owns still being called by his dead name. There's something ironically <laughs> funny about that. Right? I was oh, like, yeah. I'm just going to say Twitter. <laughs> um, every day I hold the adamant belief that had Enzo had died in part five, we would have rejected Elon Musk more, but instead we had to do the arc where, no, he's actually a good guy. Anyway. Mm. Um, <laughs> get him out of here. Throw uh, Enzo out the window. No. Well, you can find me on that fucker's website because I ain't leaving until the thing burns down. I'm going to make it a living hell for him until I die or he dies first, preferably the latter. At uh, Drew Hunter 15, that's D R E W H U N T E R 1 5. And you can find me also on Blue Sky at the same at uh, dot BSKY dot social. And you can find our podcast on Twitter at Lupon Pod. You can also find us on Instagram. And threads at the same at because trying to figure out threads, man. Threads weird. Uh, you can find us on Mastodon also at Lupon Pod. Why am I forgetting? Because now that things are scattered to the wind, I made the mistake of joining all of them just so we have a wider <laughs> reach. But then it makes boy, I should write this down for the end of the episode. We're also on Coffee at Lupon Pod, L U P I N P O D. Uh, donations are not expected or required, but very appreciated. Are we? too <laughs> so wait in that regard do we have a myspace not yet but that is also an available option i guess <laughs> oh yeah we're on tumblr at sideburns and cigarettes also uh you can listen to our show on soundcloud spotify and apple podcasts if you're listening on spotify and apple podcasts feel free to scroll up or scroll down and give us a rating and review Five stars, once again, it's not expected or required, but greatly appreciated. And everyone that does so will be thanked by hand. <laughs> I was going to say, I think this is one of those instances where you go, we have a link tree, just go. <laughs> I really need to just like do that. So It'd be so much simpler. A card or whatever. I, I know I did a card, uh, mostly because I'm like, I didn't really do it until I go, oh, I really do have a ton of links I need to keep track of. This is a real forehead slap moment for me where I'm like, oh, yeah, I could just do that. Make it a lot simpler. Like, hey, go to the description. I love how none of us thought that. Lori, you're a lifesaver. None of us thought of that. (laughs) Here's the funny thing. I do have a link tree. I just forget to mention it every every time. It's like being locked out of the house and, and going, oh, yeah, I was, uh, by the way, I have a spare key in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, happened to me so many times. And before we wrap up, of course, Lauren, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, a bunch of goobers yeah. here at the yeah. podcast. We greatly appreciate it and enjoy having your company. No, thank you so much again for having me back. Uh, I'm, I, I, I say I try not to be a stranger but until the storm passes, that is production at its peak, uh, then you will see more of me <laughs> after that. But yeah, no, I, I'm so glad to have been back on here and to, I, I try to restrain myself as much as possible when it comes to talking about Zenigata because I'm obviously very passionate about, <laughs> about his <laughs> representation and everything therein. Uh, but you guys are like the perfect outlet for all of that. So again, Monkey people here. So, uh, <laughs> monkey people.
monkey people and penguin and penguin <laughs> and of course you can join us again i thought to say next week and <laughs> nope um nope because nope, i'm gonna be in europe motherfuckers <laughs> I can't do the weekly podcast again, Jim. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not there. Let's catch Natalie and have her go to Europe. Hey. I get it because that is the next episode. Yes, join us again <laughs> next week as sure we discuss. Once again, that there's a Nagata centric episode. Pour, pour one out. My man's about to go oh, through it in the next one. Mm-hmm. I want to so. like this episode so much, but we'll get to that. <laughs> but. You'll hear us discuss that next time, Lupontic folks. So until then, have a good day, night, weekend, evening, afternoon. I think I covered all the bases. Hi, T. Yeah. (laughs) Have a nice trip. See you next fall. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.